Oren B. Andy G. How's it going, yeah. mate? I am good, my man. I tell you what, last two weeks, they've gone pretty damn slow. I've been looking forward to this night. Uh, it's episode I two. <laughs> I can tell you're pretty excited. You're pretty excited. <laughs> I am, mate. It's good to catch up. Um, now, I a little part of me feels quite bad, though, after last week's episode, because when we were talking, your dog, Ash, was in the doggy hospital. And yes, it hasn't yes. quite panned out the way you wanted it to. No, unfortunately, she's uh, being a typical Labrador. She ate something she shouldn't have and uh, unfortunately ended up with toxic shock. So mm. had her in there for a couple of days and uh, the vet said she was, yeah, did she deteriorated real badly. And uh, unfortunately, she never made it home. We had to have her put down. So, yeah, we lost our little friend of 12 years. So it was a bit of a sad day for the family. I've got to say, mate, like it's an absolute nod to you guys because she was such a beautiful being, that dog. Uh, She was just, she was so good with the kids. And it didn't matter how old she was, she would always make time to play in the garden. She always had time for that, didn't she? You know, she had time for everything. For an old dog, like we had some friends, uh, they had an old dog and they saw how our dog was coming up a little bit lame. And this is sort of going back a bit, but. And she was getting quite bad, like Labradors do, but um, they suggested we change her food. So for the last sort of five years, we've made the food for the dog out of, you know, your brown rice, your veggies and that from the supermarket. And, um, yeah, she she came right. And I'll tell you what, for a 12-year-old, she was like a puppy. She was a really yeah. good dog for 12 years old. So it was a real unfortunate thing that we had to go down that path and say bye to her. So one mistake I made actually with your dog was uh, going going to your place for a barbecue and sitting down with my plate on my knees at dog level. You know, you sit down, you don't have a table, you got to put your plate on your knees and balance it precariously. She found my steak and a sausage one night. She's good at that. She's I just that. thought that's just, that is ash to a T. Uh, it was easy though. I mean, I fixed it. I went and got another piece of steak, but that was all right. But One, uh, yeah. one quick thing I'll tell you, one quick thing about that dog. You know, you're talking about it was quite, you know, you said it's quite sad that she's gone and that. I'll tell you what, for, for a dog, she had a massive impact on people, eh, for some reason. Because um, I, when I brought her home and we've, we had a little burial in the backyard, uh, the neighbour came over and uh, she she used to pat the dog next to the fence all the time. And um, as soon as I told her what happened to the dog, eh, she burst into tears. Yeah. And uh, it made me burst into tears again. Yeah, and that was one. And then I went to the other neighbour and I thought, oh, I've got to tell the other neighbours now. So I went and told them and then that little old lady lives next door. She burst into tears and so I burst into tears again. It was just a downward spiral, eh? Everyone that I told was in tears and, oh, it was a bit of a... Yeah, a bit of a farce, really. <laughs> I, can, I can just imagine you going out into the street and telling more of the neighbours and suddenly there's this big circle of people embracing each other in the cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing yeah. that she would have incited, though. Yeah, yeah, she was a good dog. She made a big imprint on people, but like I said, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye. And yeah, it's been it's been a week and a half now sort of thing, so we, we're getting used to it. The kids have sort of cheered up and moved on. We're all... You know, all of a sudden you think, oh, I don't have to feed the dog. And Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be a bit different for a while, isn't it? But, um, yeah, like I said, it, it's a nod to the people that brought her up, mate. She was a fantastic dog. And I think we need to dedicate this episode to her memory, which is why we're calling it episode two in the memory of Ash the dog. Our jingle, which we introduced last week, Oren, this is how we start every episode. Uh, I've created a, a version of the uh, jingle which doesn't have all of the drums behind it. I think it's more of a mellower type of sound. And I think that would just suit the moment, I think, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. 
Yeah, mate. Yep. Okay. Well, you count Go us in. Okay. Four, three, two, one. A treaty guy, a radio guy, two best mates chatting on the fly. We're musos, we're dads, we're completely the same. We'll yarn about anything, it's all fair game. One hits nails, and one nails hits. We'll review good beers, and just shoot the sh. We're R&B, and Andy G. And this is Tradio, Tradio. Episode 2. So, kia ora to our Tradio podcast listeners, get this. From our first episode, Pennsylvania, California, Kansas, Kentucky, and Minnesota in the USA, we've got <laughs> Ontario, Canada, we have the UK, unfortunately our stats didn't break down where, but we've got quite a few listening over there, we've got Queensland, Western Australia, and the Northern Territory, uh, plus our own Kiwi Legends in New Zealand. Yahoo! Yeah. That's <laughs> great. It's crazy, hey? it's I can't so believe people listening. My eyes popped out of my head when I saw that we had listeners in because uh, it started off with Pennsylvania and Minnesota at first. And then I checked the next day and then suddenly there was one from California. Uh, then there was Kansas and Kentucky and I just thought, holy crap, this uh, we're not doing anything massive to market this. We're just putting it on all of these different uh, platforms and suddenly people are hearing it. And it's <laughs> it's blowing my mind. I mean, your wife had to listen to it. They just want to hear the Kiwi accent. They just think, think it's so. funny. I know, yeah. it's pretty sexy, isn't it? Your wife, she has listened to this podcast. My wife hasn't, whilst we're on the subject of stats and where in the world this is being listened to. She was actually listening to it again today. She's listened to it twice. Really? She was, she was putting her clothes away in the bedroom and I and I uh, overheard that she was listening to our podcast again. <laughs> what was? Did she give any feedback? I'm interested to know because, I mean, like you said, she hears enough of our crap. Yeah, no, she, she said it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she said, oh, there's no secrets now because, you know, I've well, let everything out here on here and, uh, and well, she eventually listens to it. So, <laughs> Well, we don't talk about everything here. Mate, this has yeah, been an right. interesting interesting day for a lot of people. Facebook has been down most of the day. The same with uh, Instagram, I think, was down as well. And it was quite interesting because I, I, I would occasionally go into Facebook through the day and then I sort of know what's happening in the world. But today I have absolutely yeah. no idea. I still don't know what's going on. And it's good. Yeah, it uh, makes a change, eh? I, Doesn't uh, make a change. I really know. I just I got and went to work this morning, so then uh, I worked all day. And then uh, I just heard on the radio that Facebook was down. I was like, oh, my wife won't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> but this is it, though. I mean, it was actually nice to have that freedom, that disconnect from the yeah, digital yeah, world because yeah. everybody's on there now. And here's the thing. I, I, I am concerned about a few of my friends, though, because I have no idea what they had for breakfast this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. You didn't, didn't get that see. little picture and no. this is what I was eating for breakfast. No, exactly. <laughs> so I'm concerned. They're the kinds of people yeah. that do post so many of their meals that when I don't see a post from them, I am concerned that they skipped a meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It, it winds me up. People are sort of, they, they find it hard to let go nowadays, eh? Yeah, yeah. You get it taken away, it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, there's the thing when people go to restaurants and they get this fantastic meal, they've got to take lots of photos of it from all sorts of angles and then put lots of filters and hashtags on it. And then by the end, by the time they come to eat it, it's cold. So what's the point? I don't get it. Crazy world we live in. Yeah, Crazy well, luckily they're good friends. Otherwise, I would have unfriended them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about uh, food, mate, story of the week. I get up a very early in the morning, a lot, a lot earlier than everyone else in the house, and I make my breakfast and then I bugger off before they all get out of bed. 
And anyway, did my day's work and came home and I was confronted by my two older daughters and said, Dad, did you take a really stinky poo before you went to work today? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I went to the toilet, yes, but this is getting very personal now. But no, they, uh, they said, oh, we wondered because this place absolutely stank and it was all through the lounge. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. And that took me a little while to think about it. And what, I, what, what did you eat? Well... <laughs> I'm going to explain what I ate. It was nothing to do with actually going to the toilet at all. What I'd done is I went and did the grocery shopping the week before and I saw in the bread aisle, there's these new muffin splits and the flavor is aged cheddar. So it's like potent, potent, stinky, cheesy smell when you toast it. Like like blue cheese. Almost, yeah. Aged cheddar, kind of, yeah, real potent. And it it took me a little while to think, hang on, my my dump wasn't that stinky this morning. I don't think it was that bad. And suddenly the whole house stank of it, apparently. But, yeah, then I I thought about it for a minute. It was the muffin splits. And I was just so relieved, eh? I was so (laughs) relieved that it was not me. It was just the muffin splits that I toasted before I left the house for the day. But, my God, what a way to be greeted home. Hey, Dad, hope you had a great day. No, it was, hey, Dad, did you take a stinky dump this morning? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh kids hey eh? they come out with the darndest things i know well, it must fact, be bad they must be pretty bad muffins though like they taste they, any good they were nice yeah you're slathered in butter they're quite nice but they 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 don't smell as appealing as they taste as as my kids told me my wife was uh happy to chime in on that one as well um, but they oh, didn't God. eat them. They didn't want to eat them. They didn't smell good enough to eat. So it was okay because then I had some more the next day and wound them up again with another stinky house. Yeah, um, well, I get them like because I'm a I'm a big fan of blue cheese and of um, fish sauce. You know the old fish sauce. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's didn't... good. Like you put that on rice. You just sprinkle it on the rice. You know, yeah. like like the kids actually move down to the other end of the table whenever I sit down. <laughs> It's like a repellent, what a child did? repellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't go question, like, didn't I get you into blue cheese? Uh, I used to like it, yeah. And uh, so maybe I think it was... I just found that, yeah, you and I sort of both liked it. And, and yeah, every time we got together, we used to get blue cheese and eat blue yeah. cheese. One of the many, <laughs> many things we have in common. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's my wife I got into it. Talking to food, though, my wife had me in stitches yesterday and she goes, oh, I suppose you're going to talk about this on your podcast. And I was like, Yes. Uh, <laughs> she had me in stitches. We got these new emoji potato smileys. So they're just like little smiley faces, like emojis, and they're made into little potato snacks, if you like, and you just bake them in the oven like fries. Um, <laughs> you get like a wink one and a smiling one and all the different types of emojis you can get. And there's one with the, the two fingers up like this, like the peace sign, if you like, right? And she tore off the pointer finger off this one giving the peace sign and she said, to, and so it just had the middle finger sticking up. And she, she said to me, you'll get a plate of these if you piss me off. <laughs> so, I can just imagine her doing that. Yeah. And then she did them again tonight. She made some pizza and she cooked them up again. And I looked at my plate and there was another one where she'd rip the pointer finger off. And uh, she thought she'd made up for it by giving me a love heart shaped one as well. Oh, but, there you go then. Yeah, so she loves me really, but maybe she just hates me secretly. It depends how many <laughs> middle finger smileys I get in my next uh, meal. Yeah, yeah, Depends <laughs> how much you pissed her off that day, eh? I know. This is the thing. I'm not home from work early enough to make dinner, so I'm, I'm always, it's always going to be a bit of uh, emoji roulette, if you like, when it comes to what's on my plate. <laughs> mm. 
actually, one thing we didn't cover on the last episode was actually how you and I met. Mm. I think that's something that's worth covering. Eh? That was actually quite a hard case, and we've had a few hard case episodes since then. <laughs> yes, so yeah, a few episodes which we have never recorded, hence why we're doing the podcast. Well, I yeah, think it yeah. stems back the first time you and I actually ever spoke to each other was when you rang my radio show to get into <laughs> get into the draw to win a holiday. I think what we should try and do is just quickly reenact the moment, if you want. Um, I try, yeah. I can't so, what I said, but we'll oh, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just wing it, mate. Thanks for calling the radio. This is Andy. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Oren. How you going? Yeah, good Oren. Yourself, mate? What are you up to? Yeah, good, 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 mate. Good. I think you had a competition on the radio just before. That uh, I think it was something to do with winning a holiday. So let's get you in there right now to win a trip to Rarotonga for you and the family. Let's say, how many kids have you got? Uh, two. Excellent. That's perfect. Well, we're doing the draw next Monday. Good luck for that. When was the last time you had a holiday? Oh, jeez, mate. Long time ago. Long time ago. A decent one. You're in the draw. Good luck. Thanks for that, mate. We uh, recorded that. We're going to play it on air in about five minutes, okay, just after the Red Hot Chili Peppers at about uh, at about 11.43. Your wife happens to be a teacher at my daughter's school, potentially. Yeah, she sure is, mate. Yep. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's kind of how we met. You rang the radio show, and little did I know that, you know, what would unfold in the following six years. Yeah, well, I think the next time, the first time we actually met was uh, when the ki- the kids used to go to a little daycare thing, the local one, and um, we had like a meet the teacher night, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you guys came down, we came down, and uh, my wife knew you through coming into school and that, but I didn't know you at the time. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's how we met there. We finally got to shake hands and say hi, and things took off from there. And yeah, well, you're. Yeah. Your youngest child and my middle child, they're the same age, roughly. And I think they're roughly yeah, the same yeah. age, maybe a year or so between them. And they were at this um, at this particular childcare centre. And I know that you and I used to walk past each other when it was pickup time. And we used to just nod, yeah. say hello. And then there was this one time where we actually did have a little chat. We just thought, you know, that's he's a good fellow, that guy. <laughs> Turns out we both like beer a lot. Who <laughs> <laughs> would have known? Um, yeah. Fantastic day out at Auckland Zoo with the kids as well. That was a interesting. I think I slept on the bus there and on the way back. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I just always the one of the things that sticks in my mind was the quiz night. Oh, Remember that? Jeez, that was that was carnage, hilarious. Man. That was yeah. Oh man. Oh god. I look back now and I think, man, I don't know how we got away with half of that stuff. Eh? Well, you and I were the <laughs> were definitely the uh, the life of the party in there. I think we'd had a few to to warm up beforehand. Then the quiz happened, and I think they provided a bottle of wine in the middle of the table. Um, and then we won a bottle of wine, I think, as well for winning the quiz, which we legitimately won without cheating using Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> but we did though. We legitimately won that quiz. We did. We did. Google only helped a couple of times. No, Google helped once. <laughs> Don't make us out to be monsters. Google helped once, and that was you. Okay, Google helped once. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! No, what a night though. It was fantastic. I don't yeah, remember was. much I mean, about the f- uh, other than the fun we had. Yeah, and you guys came back. That's right. You guys came back to our place and had uh, we had a couple few glasses of Bailey's back here, and I was right. more intoxicated. <laughs> yeah, can we just just say for the record, we're not always drunk. All right. No, no, no. It was just one of those. <laughs> it was just one of those nights that was really good fun and sticks in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And then. 
and then I found out you like fishing because we've got so much in common. In the next episode, I had a bit of feedback on our Tradio jingle and someone asked if we can just break it down and what it all means. And I was like, absolutely we can, yeah. And obviously part of it, which we'll focus on in the next episode, is that you and I are so alike. We, we, we're exactly the same. There's, there's so much in common and fishing was one of those. And you yeah. had a boat and I just feel that a mate with a boat is the cheapest way to own one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind yeah, of got like that. Cheaper than uh, cheap, cheaper than owning one. That's for sure. Yeah, I love fishing. But and... actually, but the, the good thing is, when you've got a boat, this is the this is the thing. When you've got a boat, you've actually got to find someone to go fishing with. Yes. And if your family's not that keen on, my family are pretty keen on it. Yep. But like every second weekend when it's rough and I still want to go fishing, you've got to have that mate that's that's mad keen and and you or it, you know. So we yeah. should be out quite often, eh? Yeah, well, I've done a lot of fishing in the past, but I never really knew lots of tips and tricks. I mean, most of the stuff that I sort of know about fishing and how to catch specific species and all this kind of jargon and tying the hooks onto the line, uh, that's just something I've learned from you. So it's actually been uh, a a pretty, uh, a great friendship, but more so that I have learned heaps of stuff off you too in in that regard. So that's been uh, pretty impressive. And I'm hoping we can go fishing uh, again soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we're supposed to be getting together Mm. next week. Mm-hmm. Boat is ready to go, mate. The boat is ready to go. Very so. good, mate. Um, blow the cobwebs off the old engine because you haven't used it since May the third, and I was up there last. <laughs> it's terrible. Crying. Shocking. Yeah. Anyway, looking forward to it. Um, but I will have to borrow yeah, yeah. one of your um one of your fifty thousand rods if you don't mind, because mine doesn't fit in my suitcase. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Just a quick, on a quick side note of that. Hey, eh? this this year has been a really good year for me for my fishing. I got the start of this year. I got my first marlin. So. Nice. I finally got one. It's nice, nice big striped marlin. So that was a that was a bonus. So was that just off Tyrrell? Yeah, out off Tyrrell. That was uh, out of my dad's boat. He's got a, a decent size launch, so <laughs> that'll he, wind uh, him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, is, he still hasn't caught one, so yeah, he won't <laughs> bugger about that. <laughs> Poor bugger. He will, mate. He'll get his. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, is, is he a relatively reserved type of gentleman? I mean, do you think he's quietly kicking himself that his son got one before him off his boat? He was happy for me to catch one, mm-hmm. but I think he sort of looks at it and goes, that should be my fish. <laughs> well, <laughs> my the, it makes it worse that the, the first fish that had been caught on his boat, decent ones, you know, like the marlin and that, um, was the last two were his two brothers. Yeah, and the and the other one, the third one, was one of his best mates. So it's been two of his brothers, oh. his best mate, and his son, but not him. Oh, and you <laughs> and you literally just drove the dagger straight through him for that one. Yeah, yeah. So like, there you go. <laughs> I have to admit, though, he's caught a lot more fish, like decent fish. He's caught short build spearfish. He's yeah. caught yellowfin, bluefin. You know, he's caught all well, kinds of stuff. So to your to your dad's credit. You know, the boat's awesome. It's great to get out on it, which I've had the privilege of doing, I think, three or four times now. But I think a lot of it is down to where the skipper takes the boat as well. So to his credit, he took you to the right spot. Yeah, yeah. He sort of, he's a salty old sea dog. So he's been on the sea, you know, basically his whole life. So he, he sort of knows the spots to go to now, and he's, he's, uh, he's starting to hand on those little secrets to us now. So yeah, yeah. Oh, eventually yeah. we'll know where to go. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong about the sea dog thing, mate. That that guy has got so many stories. He should <laughs> be writing. No, honestly, he should write a book. He yeah, I keep telling him that. To be honest, I actually I do like say to him, you should write a book. Yeah. Stories of a salty sea dog or something. <laughs> Great book. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or memoirs of the man who didn't get the marlin. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, memoirs of the missing Marlin. Anyway, hey, uh, he's, got just, few, he's got a few years left in him yet. <laughs> yeah. See, like, obviously, over the years, our families have really got to know each other really well. Not only have uh, you and I become good mates, but my wife and your wife have become good friends as well, not just uh, acquaintances through one being a teacher and the other being a parent at the school your wife teaches at. But we've got together and we've had shindigs and parties, etc. But there's one thing that really stands out about a lot of the parties that we have is you, you quite enjoy getting your fireworks out. And you always. <laughs> You always have a bit of a stash of fireworks, which, you know, we quite enjoy. They always add to the moment. I mean, you don't just pull them out at every party. You pull them out when there's a special occasion. But it's just uh, as as soon as you get your fireworks out, though, there are stories about times where you've created your own fireworks in the past (laughs) because the ones that you buy in the shop just aren't good enough. Yeah, that sort of thing started when we were kids and we used to have – there was a big bonfire night where I went to school, and uh, the next day everyone would go there early in the morning after the big night and scrounge around, and they'd be like, as kids, we'd go and pick up all kinds of stuff from the massive gala. It'd be rubbish everywhere, but it'd be full bag. You'd find full bags of fireworks that hadn't gone off. It'd just been left there, you know? Yeah. So we started doing that, and over the years we did that, and then we started cutting them up and making them into big bombs and all our own fireworks and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, just carried on for years. And one funny story was – I think I, I think I might have already. I think I've told you this, but the uh, I, I made a. I got a little pipe out of the shed, and it was the perfect size for you know those big crayons that fit yeah. down the hole perfectly. Yeah. And I uh, drilled a little hole in the end of the pipe where I'd sort of peened it over, banged it down, and uh, <laughs> stuffed it full of gunpowder. Put a wad in there. Used a wad for like a cotton cotton wool. Put the crayon in there. Put a wick in it, and I taped it to the deck outside. This is, I was only a kid. I must have only been about 12 or something. And I lit this thing thinking it was going to make a little pop, you know, and shoot the thing out. And then, man, it went off like a cannon, eh? <laughs> and it fired the crayon out, and the crayon went clean through the window of the neighbor's glass house and smashed oh, the window. No. <laughs> so you can imagine what I did. Quickly go and take everything <laughs> apart and run inside and Get hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always remember that because that hole stayed in that window of that glass house for probably – Oh, it must have been at least five years. There was a hole in the window. Oh, wow. Never fixed it. But that, that <laughs> actually that shows you the velocity that that thing was traveling at, right? For it actually not oh, to yeah. completely smash the window, but just make a little yeah. hole in it. Yeah. yeah. If there's any kids kids listening to this, don't try this at home. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's impressive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's just put a disclaimer in there right now as we don't endorse this. But, you know, we all yeah, did yeah. stupid shit when we were kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you've got to do it. You've got to get these things out of your system, eh? Yeah, well, this young. is it. The thing with New, Z- uh, New Zealanders especially would uh, probably relate to this. I, I don't know much about other countries, but I just remember after Guy Fawkes Night in, the, in New Zealand, it's just looking down the road. And just the, all the gutters just lined with double happies. Yeah, and you know that's along the good s- old days. Eh? Yeah, yeah, the little red, the little red blowy uppy things. They were fantastic, and that's on a similar vein to what you were saying. How you how you collected a lot of them, uh, you know, to make your uh, fireworks. But I just remember just sifting through literally thousands of these things that were just in the most obscure places, and yeah. they could just see that the kids. I mean, we didn't have the internet back then in the eighties. What people did yeah, is yeah. went out on the streets. They rode their bikes. They let off fireworks. That was that was the thing. The most fun I reckon I've had with fireworks, though, was when my wife and I, was before she was my wife, we were just dating then. We, we went to Austria when we were living in the UK. And uh, 
around the Christmas New Year period over there, they go nuts with fireworks. They've got mm. just fireworks galore. So we went to this local little store thing that was just selling every kind of firework you can imagine. And it was cheap and it was like we had a field day. But we were buying these massive, big, like, thunder-happy things that were huge and they were waterproof. So you could light them and throw them in the river and they'd yeah. just go boom and there'd be a big splash. <laughs> we, and we were buying huge skyrockets and all sorts of stuff. It was just you, everything you couldn't get in New Zealand anymore. Oh, awesome, man. Oh, it's so good. So good. But, yes, yeah, so just please take note of the disclaimer. Um <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what are you drinking tonight? What what is on the cards for you? I've got the um the Max Hop Rocker Pilsner, which is not bad. I don't think I've ever had it before. Um, I've had that one before. Right? It's not bad. It's, not it's bad. okay. It's okay. I'm not. I'm I'm a big pale ale fan, to be fair. But I thought I'd give a Pilsner a shot. Um, basically the. Uh, I'm not good at reviewing beers. Like, I can't taste a beer and go, oh, that's a taste of citrus and all these blossoms and daffodils. But <laughs> it's just, just read the back of the label. That's exactly. <laughs> this is it. So, basically, Hop Rocker is Max's own Pilsner with a full complement of Cascade and Nelson Sovin hops for well rounded complexity. Bitter, but in a good way. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just on the, uh, it's a Boundary Road Brewery one. It's mm. a new one, actually. It's just come out. It's, uh, it's a hazy IPA. It's called Trail Hazer. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm quite like you, mate. I'm a big fan of the pale ales, eh? And I thought yep. the hazy pale ales, and I, I thought it would be pretty similar, but it doesn't have the same kick as the pale ale. It's still nice. It's a smooth beer. It's good. Do you ever think, though, that the hazy pale ales are like a lazily made? Like they haven't filtered them and they're just full of sediment. It's just chuck it in a can. Yeah, chuck it in a can, Dave. Really- chuck it in a can. <laughs> it's a cheap way of making it they don't have to filter it's like oh look at these suckers but- yeah <laughs> like every yeah. time they throw out the sediment they're probably chucking out a few you know a few litres of beer at a time like no 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 just chuck it in a can mate yeah we'll call it a hazy it's a hazy beer especially <laughs> like- brewed <laughs> <laughs> oh look look can't fault them though it actually tastes really good love the hazy it does yeah I have to agree yeah gives you a worse hangover than a lot of other beers <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it does. I suppose because your kidneys get blocked with all the friggin' sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, look, just you to, to just... drink it through a sock or something, eh, to get, to get all the sediment out. Yeah, a clean one, not one of yours. <laughs> um, yeah. After a busy day on the building site. Thank you. Um, look, on a more serious note, COVID-19 uh, has been one of the biggest challenges to our collective mental health. I mean, mental health, is an issue and has been well before COVID-19, but I think with, you know, it really has exasperated the situation around a lot of people. And I think when people have mental health problems slash depression, et cetera, I think it's so important to normalise talking about it and bringing it up. Uh, I mean, a bit of a past for you in the way of depression. Yeah, yeah. I had depression about four or five years ago now, I guess, and I had it for probably three years. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's an awful feeling. It's a, uh, it's, it's not something you ever think you're going to get, and not something you, you know how to deal with. It's, it's quite a, uh, quite an unusual thing, really. I suffered quite badly for probably the worst of it was probably twelve months, I yeah. reckon, where I was going downhill and I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was getting worse and worse, and I finally it was when I finally went to the doctor and got on top of it that I realised how bad I was getting. 
Yeah. And I was one of the lucky ones, you know. Like I, I'm lucky that I figured out what was going on and got to a doctor and uh, got myself on the path to getting better, you know. There's a lot of people out there that never reached that point, which is pretty unfortunate, you know. Yeah, well, this is um, it. I mean, you made the move to talk to someone and get some help, and that's the most important first step you can you can make. You, I think you were just saying it's uh, this week just gone was uh, Mental Health Awareness Week in New Zealand. So. Yeah, that's right. It was, yeah, which is probably why it's worth talking about. I mean, it's, it's always worth talking about because people aren't just going through this in one specific week a year. But I just think with the pandemic as well and the fact we've had several lockdowns in New Zealand, it is going to be um, hitting people a lot harder. The thing is, though, with depression, I mean, what is it? Is it the, the is it just not having any will to do anything? You just don't want to get out of bed? What, what, what does it feel like? Yeah, I think it's, it's all of that. It's not, for me, it was not having enough room in my life to fit everything in, you know, like, it was almost like family became second to work. I was under a lot of pressure with the job I was doing. And you get to a point where you can't cope with everything that's going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, because you're sleep deprived because of it. And uh, yeah, you just, you end up getting, going downhill and getting worse and worse. And, and you don't realize how bad you're actually getting until you're, you know, starting to get better again. And then you realize, shit, I was actually in a real bad place. Like for me, I, yeah, it was it was sleeplessness, not being able to think, not being able to cope. I don't really know how else to explain it. It was just a really unusual feeling for me, and I yeah. and I think it's it's good that we bring this up because I think with this whole COVID thing going on at the moment, that yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people um, uh, there's a lot more pressure coming on from unknowns of not knowing when you're going to be out of lockdown not knowing what's going on with the vaccines, not going, you know, just all the stuff, everything plays on people's minds. And yep. I think it, it can make people, if you, if you stew on things and you don't talk to other people about it, it can make you go to a pretty bad place. I think a lot of people need to learn, if they are struggling, especially with that sort of thing, they need to learn coping mechanisms and, and have it yep. out, you know. Absolutely. And that's it. And that the, the best step you can take is to talk to someone about it and actually have that conversation. I can't say I ever had depression, but there were lots of, because uh, I'm a volunteer firefighter and I'm, I'm, I've been doing it now for five years. And as a volunteer firefighter, you see some serious shit and that kind of stuff. You, mm, I mean, yeah. at three o'clock in the morning, I've been called out to some serious car accidents where people haven't made it. But to see what I've seen, is not something that you can really go back to bed afterwards and go back to dreamland. It's it's yeah. stuff that you really need to sort of process. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we don't have help within fire and emergency in New Zealand. We do. We have a great uh, system internally to be able to talk to people about, you know, about uh, how our work is affecting us, et cetera, and the things we've seen and how we can overcome those feelings, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, my wife is fantastic for it. I can, I can debrief with her and she – always brings me back down to earth, which is brilliant. And the same with you as well. You know, I, I always used to, uh, or occasionally after a bad call out, I would give you a call. Yeah. I always used to think, you know, if I'd hear the fire siren in our local town go when Andy was living here, and uh, I'd get a text message probably, you know, maybe three hours later, and it'd be, oh, Aaron, mate, yep, to catch up for a beer later on. And I knew straight away that, you know, we were such good mates that I knew that he had been, or, you know, Andy had been to a, to a bad call-out. And 
again, you just need to talk to someone. You just need to go and have a beer with a mate, debrief, go, oh, yeah, and then you can you need someone to say, you know, it's all good, it's all right to yeah. feel that way. And especially having to deal with some of the things you've told me about, you know, it's it's um it's a it's a big commitment in life and it's a big sort of it's a big thing to do, you know, to be uh, to be a volunteer firefighter in your community is a big thing, you know. Mm, yeah. Proud and of I you, guess... mate. Proud of you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks. No, but seriously, you got to. I, I, you, I, I firmly believe you got to surround yourself with people that you can you can talk to about it. And as I said, it's like normalizing talking about your problems is the best way to get them out of your system and to help yourself towards uh, getting better. Um, I mean, around the world, obviously, if you need some help. Jump onto good old Dr. Google. It will give you all sorts of ideas. Here in New Zealand, though, if you do need to talk to someone, you can actually free phone or text the number 1737. That's 1737. And you will get through to a counsellor. Uh, but also mentalhealth.org.nz is a good website to go to as well to get some more information about uh, how you can resolve what you're going through. And that's, that's the thing. The best thing you can well, do with. is to talk to well, someone. Yeah. And that's exactly what, you know, I... I I value this friendship and moving away from Thames to Christchurch. And this is the reason for the podcast is, you know, catching up every two weeks is actually, uh, is actually a big thing because the last couple of weeks have been pretty busy and it's nice to just debrief yeah. and have a, have a chat, you know, have a, have a little, have a beer and a, and a yarn. That's right. That's right. And I, uh, you know, you're some, you need to debrief after the, after the loss of a family member, sort of half well. family, you know, the yeah, dog. Well, that's it. And we did <laughs> yeah. when you when you lost your dog. Yeah, yeah. We we were on Zoom for about four hours. Yeah, you know, good old dog. But now you, you're right, though. I think uh, I think New Zealanders have always been fairly bad for mental health. They eh? like it's always been the whole. I think the New Zealand mentality is getting a lot better. Yeah, she'll be right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the old she'll be right attitude. You know, oh, toughen up. You'll be right. Yeah, I think. Um, the awareness that's around it now, eh, it makes it a lot easier to talk about this yep. sort of stuff with people and, yeah, so yeah. get to a better place. That's it. Check I on your mates. Take it a few years. Che- yeah. Check on, <laughs> <laughs> check on your mates. That's, the, that's the, the most important thing you can do. Check on your partner. Check on Go all those fishing. around you. Go fishing. Absolutely. Or go dirt bike riding because that's one thing you do to try and clear your head, eh? Definitely. Mm. Get out and do it and just try not to crash into trees like I do quite often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've done that a few times, haven't you? Um, yeah. Talking about bikes, uh, cool story. My late uncle Martin, he passed away on his 50th birthday a few years ago. He was literally born at sunrise and passed away at sunset, which is oh. just incredible. He lived he yeah, lived yeah. 50 years to the day and obviously a big shock for a lot of us. Uh, unfortunately, the big C won over him. And he was a massive bike rider. He loved his motorbikes. He had some beautiful bikes. Anyway, I'm um, just thinking, for, I think it was in 1991, um, I can't remember the exact model of the bike, but anyway, he um, sadly divorced my auntie in the 90s, I think it was the 90s, and he met a new woman, married her, and when he passed away, she sold his bike without consulting with the family, and yeah. basically this bike just ended up in the ever. And thought we'd never see it again. You know, and this bike he'd had since 1991, I think, roughly. And everyone loved it. All the kids in the family had been for rides on it. And suddenly she just sold it without telling anyone. Never to be seen again. Well, anyway, just last week, um, one of my cousin's neighbours, because my cousin still lives in the same street that he was brought up in, right? Still lives in the same house. And uh, one of his neighbours said, uh, 
come over here. Come over here to my place for a minute. There's, there's a bike in the garage. And it, it may be your it may be your dad's old bike because they all talk to each other in that street. They all know each other. And obviously the story about the bike is is known amongst yeah. all the people in that area. And um it, it just happened to be my uncle's bike that was sold miles away from that house. <laughs> um and it was his old bike. And so they bought it back that day and now it's back in the family again. It's just incredible. Meant to be, eh? Oh, dude. Meant to be. That was exactly the comment I put on my cousin's Facebook post when she put it up. Just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I remember that bike so well, and suddenly there it is again. You know, like <laughs> memories, and it put a smile on my face. You know, which is what bike, you know, what motorbike riding does for a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's in your blood. It's one of those things that once you do it and you get addicted to it, you you can't get away from it. You know, yeah. I've tried. <laughs> I've just got two bikes in this year at the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. how long how long have you been dirt bike riding for? First had a ride on a dirt bike. I still remember it. it was my cousin. He had an Ag 100, which is like an old Yamaha farm bike. And I was just a kid. And he taught me how to ride it around his back lawn. And I sort of took off on it straight away and thought, man, this is awesome. And got yeah, addicted yeah. to it straight away. And I'm, I was probably only, I reckon I was probably 11, 12, mm. 10, somewhere around there. Well, you've done competitions, you've won competitions, um, you've done yeah. a lot of enduros, et cetera, et cetera, which is like insanely long periods of time riding bikes. And um, you're still sort of dabbling it a little bit now. I mean, you're part of your local motorcycle club as well, so you meet every week and you go out with friends and stuff like that, which obviously helps with, uh, you know, it helps get things off your mind as well, but it's something you love. And something about it is therapeutic. Is that the right word for it? Oh, Definitely. We do a Thursday night ride with uh, Tim's Motorcycle Club and a whole lot of other guys that uh, sort of just come along for a ride. And, you know, it's good. It's like real good camaraderie. Eh? You get a bunch of dudes together on dirt bikes and, and let the chaos begin. You know, it's, it's hilarious every week. There's always someone having a funny crash or falling <laughs> in a puddle or doing something silly, you know, and you always have a good laugh. It's, that's that's one of the things I love about it. Eh? It's not about what bike you ride or what gear you have on or anything like that it's all about being a rider and, and being out just doing it really it's yeah. just it's just that feeling of freedom i guess you get out and 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 uh it gets your mind off everything you can't you, you're so busy riding you can't really think about anything else that's going on so it's a good good way to clear your head well, lots of people in Thames do ride bikes as well, Oren, and a good friend of ours, and a fan base of around 172,000 followers on Facebook, which is pretty impressive. You can catch him. Chris Birch, off-road coach, he joins us right now. Rev your engines, ladies and gentlemen, for the legend on two wheels. G'day, Chris. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, all good. Thanks for having us. Good to have you, bud. You can also take this, too, as the fact that you are our first ever guest on this podcast, mate. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yes. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a, it's a huge honour when you <laughs> yeah. guys are taking on Joe Rogan, and I'll be happy to be number. One, say I was number one. Oh, yeah. Joe Rogan, that's a bit of a climb, isn't no. it? To try and reach that height. <laughs> Chris, really cool to talk to you. I mean, obviously, you and Oren have a lot more in common because you know you both you both dirt bike riders. But um, like just just a quick backstory, man. How did you get into it? Because yeah, I mean, you're massive on the scene now, aren't you? Oh, you know, I, I guess the most accurate way to describe it is like big fish in a small pond. I <laughs> 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 um, got into it as a family thing, and for for people that aren't into motorbike riding, it's it's odd to hear that motorbike riding is such a family sport. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it really, really is. Uh, so my both my mum and my dad have ridden bikes most of their lives. We actually, cool project, we just got going my the first ever motorbike that my dad bought. 
he managed to find it in the UK and brought it back to New Zealand. And we just we got it going again. It's the bike that he bought when he was about 15 years old in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the video on your Facebook page, actually, um, which was quite cool. Uh, how did how did he track it down in the UK, though? I mean, that's a, it's a fair job. So him and his mate, they saw, I guess they saw it in the newspaper or something. They saw the chassis, uh, a rolling chassis for a bike that they wanted in Wolverhampton. Mm. So they got on the train and went to Wolverhampton and bought this thing and pushed it five miles home from the train station uh, <laughs> with a blown up engine in it. Yeah. And then they bought uh, a bike that had been crashed with a, with a good engine in it, got it going. And over the years, they, they kind of bought and sold it back between themselves many, many times. And I think someone else got involved with it, it kind of it stayed in a circle. And then when dad was back there visiting his, his mates uh, a few years ago, they obviously got chatting about the bike. And one, one was, oh, I've still got it. It's, it's in boxes underneath the house. Oh, yeah. And he he pulled it apart to restore it, like many restorations. You know, the fun part's pulling it apart, and that's yep. as far as many restorations get. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, there was a, literally a basket case, and uh, uh, a friend of ours managed to help Dad to, to bring all the bits home, and he's put it all together and got it going again. And What was the bike? It's a BSA C15, but it's a Pryle chassis. Oh, yeah. So, so for people that aren't into motorbikes, uh, there's many, many sort of different disciplines of motorbike, motorcycle sport and trials is uh, super technical. It's not speed-based. It's, it's going through the most difficult terrain you can and control. But, but, but back then, like, the difference between a road bike, a trials bike, and a scrambles, a motocross bike was pretty, you know. Oh, you've, yeah. got a, you've, got a, you've got a little thing you could add to this, actually. You told me a story about you and your dad used to do sidecar trials, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's a <laughs> retarded sport. It's a stupid amount. It's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's a really odd. So it can only come one of those sports that can only come from the UK. <laughs> um, but it's really good yeah. fun. Like it's just yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, my dad did a bit of a dirty on us and he sold the bike uh, without telling the rest of our family, but oh. we've never really forgiven him for that. No, uh, yeah. Because it's it a collector's it's, item. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've I've uh, been to competitions in the UK where they've had sidecar enduros as well. That, that's that's madness, man. Like these that's guys nuts. just yeah. And the husband and wife teams, like yeah, that is a test of your marriage, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it, that, that kind of reminds me of those carry your wife competitions, eh? In a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Chris, how's COVID affected you? I mean, because you, you obviously oh, you, you travel overseas a hell of a lot every year, but you haven't been able to do that for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's a sore point. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's changed everything. I know I'm trying not to get frustrated, but yeah, it is yeah, frustrating. What can you do, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, previously I was I was averaging about twelve countries a year, mm. and that's gone down to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we you know we did did manage to get to Aussie this year briefly, whilst the the bubble was still bubbling. But yeah, it's it's you know it's it's tough. Yeah, we've just got to get that double jab, I guess, and hopefully the borders reopen. And I'm getting to the point where it's time to find a new country. <laughs> um, yeah, well, most of your guys are you sort of trained to ride, and they're all overseas. Yeah, yeah we're lucky. Like, we, we have been really well supported by New Zealanders uh, over the last couple of years. And to be fair, I was probably I've been neglecting the New Zealand coaching quite a bit because we had been so busy with travelling. So th- there was some benefit there for sure. Uh, but it's hard, you know, when you get these guys. Oh, hey, will you come and do this? 
we got this all this stuff organized in Israel. We come riding in Israel. Like, man, I want to go ride in Israel. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want to go riding in Israel. Because yeah. I mean, KTM obviously is your major sponsor. But that's the, the the bike you ride. Do you actually take your bikes with you overseas, or do they actually find ones for you? Right, when no, so shipping bikes around the place is, is a nightmare. And I've only ever actually done it once. Uh, sorry, no, we used to do it back and forth to Aussie, but I've done it once uh, to do a race in South Africa. And I, I, I built a bike up in New Zealand, got it all prepped, all ready to go, and uh, shipped it over there. And, dude, I've, it was a lesson of never do that again. The <laughs> amount I had to go and bribe my like go down to the shipping place just with arms full of South African money and just bribe, 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 trying to get this thing out of, out of custom. Oh, wow. Uh, Perfectly honest countries, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other side of it as well, like pretty much all through my the most successful part of my racing career, I was flat broke the whole time. So it was uh, the cost of sending a bike was completely prohibited. You do it, you so do it for the love, eh, when it comes to dirt bikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're forever so, broke. Uh, yeah. So I would travel uh, to a race with – like literally just the clothes that I was wearing, my motorbike, my riding gear, and as many parts that I could possibly jam into mm. my bag whilst not getting maxed out on the weight. And, you know, back then you used to be able to jam your foot underneath the scales at Auckland Airport and jack a few kilos out of it. Yeah. You know, all, all the different tricks and stuff to try and, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Talking of all this travel that you, you, you've done in the past, have there ever been any situations where you've been in the middle of a, of a foreign country and you just think, why the fuck am I here? What, have you witnessed something horrible that you're just like, I want to go home? Um... Yeah, <laughs> without getting going too deep straight away, uh, some of the poverty that you see around the place is pretty hard to take as a Kiwi, and it, yeah. it's incredible. Don't get me wrong, there's people doing it tough in New Zealand, but you know when you're out there in the mountains in some of these places and you see people like really, really subsistence living, it, it gets to me. Um, I, I've been fortunate. Like, I've been to places where they've never met a white person before, and, we, and we've ridden in there on motorbikes. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. My brother-in-law has done a similar thing where he rode the whole length of South Africa, and he, he had that situation too. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember in South Africa, uh, we, we put this loop together. We used to make up our training rides, our play rides, using Google Earth. So we just sit there and go, oh, look, there's a, there's a village there and there's a village on the other side of that mountain. Like those guys, have, there's got to be a way in between. And so we'd make a, a GPS waypoint in one village, GPS waypoint at the other village mm. and just try and find a way and just leap, link together rides like that. It was cool. so much fun. That's neat. And, yeah, we came into this village and uh, we'd organised a, a friend of mine's worker to kind of meet us at this village with fuel so we could, we could get around. And he parked up outside the school. And uh, we arrived at the school and all the school kids just scattered, just ran for their lives. And uh, eventually the, one of the teachers came out and sort of explained what was going on. I said, you know, none of these kids would have seen a white person before. And you guys are dressed up like aliens, you know, in, in all our motocross gear. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're all really, really scared of you. So we, you know, took our helmets off and tried to look as normal as we possibly could. And eventually some of the brave ones started to come out. Uh, but we had to move really slowly. So like, I remember at one point, like I, I turned around to get my helmet because I wanted to take one of the kids, one of the braver kids for a ride. And I turned around and kind of reached for my helmet and they all freaked out because they thought I was like, I'm not moving to attack them or something. Yeah, so wow. we had to, everything had to be really slowly and careful and big smiles the whole time. But by the time we left, we had, you know, we're doing up wheelies up and down the street and <laughs> had the kids on the bikes and all, all sorts of fun things like that. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, neat. The most scared I've ever been was in Guatemala, where we I ended up getting uh, in a situation where I was coaching uh, narcos how to how to ride motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that, and that, that was oh. a bit. 
Yeah, that was a bit loose. It was good, good cash, but uh, <laughs> I, I was, pretty, was pretty keen to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. What about that? Uh, there's that other story you told me the time about. Uh, was it where you went to Panama? Was it? And you went across the country or something, and no one else yeah. made it except for you. You were the only one. Yeah, the race. yeah, yeah. I actually saw a sloth there. Uh, saw a sloth in the wild and got passed by a cowboy on a donkey twice. <laughs> Same dude. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was, it was a race called the uh, the Ocean to Ocean Enduro. So you start with your back tire in the Caribbean Sea yeah. and finish when your front tire touches the Pacific. So it was a race across the, the whole country, which sounds impressive. But Panama is pretty freaking narrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's about twenty minutes long. We were supposed to go in teams, and so I was part of the international team. And uh, so there was myself, uh, a guy from Colombia. <laughs> Uh, an American guy, our guide to stop all the, you know, the gringos getting lost in the mountains or whatever it was. Mm. And us being the, 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 the main team sort of thing, we, they made us start last. So we were the last ones to leave. And uh, the American guy got really excited and uh, it blew up his motorbike on the start line, basically. Um, so it's a thing called the thing called cold seizing. So when the bike has, the engine hasn't got up to temperature and you rev it too hard, the piston expands too quickly and sticks to the engine and itself, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were they were messing around with that. Uh, it started to rain, and the Colombian guy said, there's no way I'm going into these mountains in the rain. And so the local guy said, well, well you get going, Chris, and uh, we'll catch you up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we were late to leave, and I passed all but every about six guys on the first hill. The, the whole field was just stuck on this one mountainside. So I managed to make my way through all that past the rest of the guys and by like nine o'clock in the morning i was i was in the lead i remember get we got to this river uh the really quite a big angry river because it was really raining in the mountains and i parked my bike on the side of the river and sort of started to wade across to see how deep it was and it was pretty deep but by the time i got back to my bike the river was riding rising that fast uh, the water was already starting to go up my front wheel so i thought right, wow. if i'm going to get across this i'm going to i've got to go now yeah. So I went quite a long way upstream and sort of started to ride into the river until it got too deep, shut the bike off and started trying to drag it. And then motorbikes, uh, dirt bikes will actually float quite well for about a minute or so because there's that much air inside the the tires, the airbox, the engine, all that sort of stuff in the frame. They'll float kind of well. Mm. So the bike started to float. I lost my footing and we, we were both getting washed down this river. But I just managed to drag it across the other side and got all the water out of the engine, got it going again. But uh, the river was coming up so fast that that was it. I was the only guy on the other side of the river. So this is like... No one else was coming. No one else was coming. Yeah, so the whole rest of the race, it was just try and get there. But it was it was tough, man. Like I was having to end for end my bike across swamps to try and get there. And that's where the donkey passed me twice. It's the sort of, the sort of thing you'll I never mean, forget in your lifetime, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Eventually, like about Great five o'clock... Five o'clock in the afternoon, I eventually get to the other side, and it was a it was a Red Bull event. So they had this big uh, like finishers party all organised on the beach, and yeah, it's getting me ground. I'm like guys, there is nobody else coming. Oh no, oh, no! <laughs> we'll keep the party going. Someone else will make it. Like, Good luck. I'm out. Like, see you later. <laughs> so they're all yeah, there so celebrating. She, no one else. Yeah, she was a party for one. That one. <laughs> you said you've been to Canada, and you've been there quite a few times. And I remember you telling us a story that there's absolutely no standards when it comes to vehicles in Canada. Like they don't have a warrant of fitness standard or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. Uh, yeah. America's actually the same. It's okay. insane. When we first went over there as a family, uh, I went out a week early and bought this um, 2500 GMC truck. Like 
we call it the redneck limo. So it was uh, <laughs> it was a, a four door. Like when you sit in the back seat, you couldn't actually touch the seat in front of you. It had a nine foot deck on the back of it, um, and it was like totally like everyone's like, "No, this thing's mint." And we put it up on a jack, uh, put it up on a, on a lift. Like it was yeah. rooted, but. <laughs> And all the Canadians like, no, this is fine, no problem. Like the brake pads were gone, the tie rod ends were gone, so I spent about a thousand dollars on it just to feel okay that I could put my family in it. Cut the cable but, ties off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, there are standards that you, it has to be when you sell it, apparently, but it's not very well enforced. The cops don't care. They I mean, turn I, blind I eye. guess if you get pulled over doing something stupid and it's completely rooted, they'll probably give you a hard time. Oh, like, yeah. You can put your hot, like there's many vehicles that you put your whole hand through the sill because they're that rotted out. <laughs> like, every truck's got to crack the length of the windscreen. Like a cracked windscreen is just not a thing. It's about as much of an issue as like your car being dirty. Like, it's just oh. not a thing at all. It's just commonplace in Canada. Yeah, yeah. But compulsory insurance so i think it's insane that we don't have compulsory insurance in new zealand yeah yeah but like they'll insure an absolute wreck <laughs> and not having insurance <laughs> is a really big problem canadians are like kiwis though eh? like, i've been up to canada a couple of times and yeah it's a pretty laid-back place you know it's pretty cool don't you reckon canadians are like kiwis and americans are like aussies Ooh, a little bit yep Definitely Canadians more, and Kiwis are alike. Canadians and Kiwis, we have that sort of self-deprecating humour yeah. a bit more, whereas Australians and Americans will kind of, they'll tell you how great they are or like they'll tell you about all the, all the stuff that's going great for them and we'll make jokes about all the stuff that we've got wrong this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's dig a bit, just a bit deeper into you off the bike then, Chris. I saw you posted on your Facebook page a few facts about you that uh, people might not know. Interesting to see that you've actually never, ever discovered peanut butter and cheese sandwiches until now. Yeah, game changer. I was <laughs> game late, late on that one. <laughs> Someone said uh, chuck some bacon in there and a bit of honey as well, and you're on to a winner. <laughs> Do you remember that Simpsons episode? I can't remember what they called it, but like, we take a whole pound of butter. <laughs> wrap it in bacon, smother it in honey, and then deep fry it. <laughs> <laughs> that's an American delicacy oh, right there. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's, just, that's a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you sing to yourself when you're riding. What songs do you tend to sing? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at oh, all. No one can hear you. Oh, honestly, it's, I don't want to say it's that embarrassing, but it, it, it amuses me. Like I'll be riding along singing a song that I'll stop my Really? Like that? <laughs> I'm a Barbie uh, girl and a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, mate, yeah. I, I do the same thing. Uh, uh, when I'm riding, I don't know what it is. <clears throat> I'll be like, you start humming a tune to yourself or you start singing a song or your mind wanders, eh? And yeah. I find if so I for, do it too much, you start making silly mistakes and crashing into things. But <laughs> So for me, it's the opposite. Like if I'm, if I'm riding crap, I'll force myself to start singing. Mm. Oh yeah, take your mind off it. Yeah, yeah, just you know uh, that it seems to trigger some better responses rather than like yeah. So the big the big thing for me uh, that I, the races that I've always done the best out of the long races. So if it's like a short two hour sprint sort of thing, I'm not your guy. If it's a ten hour marathon, yeah, I'll much yeah. much better likely to do better. Yeah. And so uh, I spent a little bit of time with a sports psychologist and sort of in the past, you know, as, as most sort of professional athletes do at some point. 
And the one thing I remember talking talk to the guys about, so, you know, you buy yourself for up to 10 hours a day and, you know, multi-day events. Mm. So the only person you've got to talk to is you. So you might as well be a nice guy to talk to. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I, I've got to ask you a favour, mate. Do mic yourself up one time. We'd love to know what you get up to when you're under that helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's got a mic in his helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Switch it on. Switch there's a reason on. I don't run a GoPro. There's a reason there's no GoPros. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting thing here. I was at the supermarket um, near where I live last week, uh, just getting a few bits and pieces, and a guy walked past me in a uh, "Say No to Slow Chris Birch" T-shirt, and uh, I was very surprised. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. it was That's it good. was quite random, and I almost I said to myself, "Should I just take a photo and flick it through to Chris?" And I thought, "No, if someone sees me doing that, or if this guy catches me, it's going to look a bit weird." <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you get an opportunity to make a new friend. You know? Oh, very much so. Yeah, bring I mean, in, I, bringing people together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, I've I've got my merch. Look, see? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So no, no. Thanks to your wife, she helped me out with that. So that was uh, it was good. It's a nice hoodie, by the way. Good choice of hoodie. Yeah, that's all, Monica. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> Um, now, Chris, one other thing as well, and I know this might touch a nerve, but did you ever, ever recover any of your gear when it was nicked from you in Palmerston North? Uh, no. Uh, someone saw a dude on a scooter fanging down the main street smoking a durry <laughs> with my helmet on. Okay. <laughs> Which the really? main concern there for me is that people might think I'm riding a scooter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I didn't really expect to get any of it back, and you know, you, you don't want it back either. I've had my vehicle broken into twice in my life, both in Palmy. Oh, wow. Don't go to Palmy. <laughs> don't go to Palmy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it happens the world over. It's, it, it's yeah. a niggly thing. It's the downside, yeah. to having a sign, downside to having a sign written van. <clears throat> yes, very true. true. But the annoying bit, the annoying bit was no. we booked that hotel because they advertised they had secure parking, and then you get there and they oversold the parking. Like you tosses. Oh no, <laughs> that's not good, eh? But it's interesting though, yeah. eh? How you you put a post on your Facebook page, and because you have like one hundred seventy-two thousand followers, roughly, at least one person did come back and actually say, "Look, I saw your helmets in Palmy." I mean, you, you must yeah. have some pretty interesting followers, surely. Oh yeah, it's really. Very, really fortunate, and all over the world too, which is really cool. Like, yeah, the uh, that's uh, that say no to slow thing you were talking about. That's a that's a video series, training series that we've created. Mm. Um, that's gone to like ninety countries or something crazy. Like, it's unreal. Jeez. And, and, yeah, that's pretty good, eh? Yeah, that's what we, that's what that, we want with this. <laughs> yeah, oh, and that was the original uh, reason for for doing that. Was you know you we were getting all these requests like you know. Will you come to Nicaragua and do a writing school? I'm like, dude, I'm not going to Nicaragua to do a writing school. <laughs> but it was a nice way to say, look, we can't do that. But here, here's some information. This will help you. This will improve your writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, give um, it a plug, Chris. Yeah. Where can people go and find that stuff? Uh, so it's say no to slow.nz. And of course, Chris Birch, off road coach. You can find him on Facebook. Uh, go and follow him. There's some very, uh, very interesting content on there. You can also grab some merch as well. Love it. There's a shop. Good one. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, once again, congrats. You're the first guest on Tradio. Thank yep. you very much. Round of applause. That's easy. <laughs> He's such a legend, though. You've known Chris Birch for, for so many years, eh? Yeah, yeah, I've known him for a long time. It's actually quite funny because uh, his wife and my wife are really good friends now. And, and yeah. um, the first time they met were actually at one of the enduros. I, I think it was, I think it was Guavis enduro. 
down Napier way, but he had a tent up and it was torrential rain, like pouring down with rain and uh, there was no shelter. So, and my wife and I were there and she was my pit crew for the day. So Chris actually invited us over and we got under his, you know, like a big tent thing set up for his pit. And uh, so we put our fuel cans under there and then his wife, Monica, was sitting under there. And uh, yeah, so Erin and my wife, his name's Erin, and, and Monica, they became really good friends sitting under there being our pit crew for the day. And the rest, <laughs> That's how they met. And the yeah, rest and is was, history. Oh, that was like, yeah, 12, 15, probably, probably 15 years or more ago. Yeah, well, my wife and I have befriended Chris and Monica as well through you guys. And um, Monica was because uh, obviously because I, I liaised with Monica to get Chris on this podcast for a bit of a chat and she was all good with it and, and um, she said oh I better have a listen to your podcast so I get an idea of what it's all about and sure enough this was uh, just at the start of the week she sent me this photo of her having a wine listening to episode one <laughs> oh brilliant <laughs> but the funniest yeah. thing was because she's such a hoot she said well, because so, she's had a knee operation, she said, oh, I've started running again. Finally, I'll put it on for my next run. Literally, literally two hours later, she's listening to it with a glass of wine. So fuck the run. Let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She's a bit of a hoop. She's so the, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a crack up. I love she's it. Anyway. So, million, hey, she, um, yeah, she was the life of my party. I had my 40th birthday at the start of this year. Oh, Monica became the life of the party, her and her red wine. Oh, she did, mate. She's fantastic. She's such good value. But anyway, Chris Birch, our first guest on Tradio, absolutely brilliant. And uh, our next episode, we'll have a very, very uh, funny guest, a good friend of mine who lives in the UK. He'll be coming to us live from the UK, actually, and he's got a uh, bit of a radio past, but he's also in a very, very successful band, and he's the front man. So music's right up our alley, so we'll be uh, looking forward to chatting to him Next week, I think we'll do a bonus episode. What do you reckon? We could do that. We yeah. can squeeze one in. I think I we should. I think we should. Music, obviously, is a massive thing for us. We, we, we love our music. And, you know, you've played guitar, I think yep. you said, for 20-odd years. I've played piano yep. for, for since I was about four or five or something, or three or four, whatever. Um, I've just started picking up the harmonicas again after a couple of years. Uh, play a bit of drums. Anyway, you said you found a fantastic, well, fact about well, it's obscure, right? It's an obscure fact. Yeah, you know, I was just doing some work in my office the other day, and I had some old school dance music playing in the background. And yes, you do. I'm quite a fan of the old school dance stuff from the '90s, and that's quite quite a hard case. And I came across a, a really interesting fact about the the group Stardust. Oh, music sounds um, better with you. Yeah, yeah, music sounds better with you. That song, yeah, that was That's, a real sort of club classic late yeah, night. Yeah, because the was music video cool. for that is where they're throwing that plane and the plane lands up on the cloud, eh? Yeah, yeah, and the dudes are all like spray-painted silver. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Took them years to get that off. Yeah, but the guy, that his name's Thomas Bagolta. Thomas Bangolta, I should say. He's the guy from Daft Punk, the guy that basically started Daft Punk, and he's the songwriter and that, the lead guy from them. Believe it or not, he is the lead guy and the songwriter as well for Stardust. It's almost like Stardust was Daft Punk in disguise. (laughs) I didn't realize that. What was that video I sent you? Was it a mix? It was a mix of music sounds better with you and Daft Punk. Was it Get Lucky? No. Oh, was it Around the World? Around the World, yeah. If you yeah, YouTube yeah. it, YouTube it. Fantastic mix. 
They're exactly the same, eh? Oh yeah, everything. It's quite wow. Cool. Yeah, okay, that's awesome. Because I've got one of their um, da- I've got one of Daft Punk's. I think it's their first album. I think they they separated, didn't they? They went their own ways, but they kept yeah. their identities very very quiet for a long long time, didn't they? And I quite respect that. Yeah, it's quite neat. It's it's kind of like um, what's that other band that does that did that? Is it were they sung Gorillas or something like that? Or oh, the Gorillas. Yeah, well, the Gorillas. Oh, yeah, Gorillas. Well, Damon Albarn yeah. from Blur was the lead singer. Was he? Oh, didn't you know that? No, I didn't know that. Damon Albarn from Blur was the Gorillas' lead singer, and it was just a it was just a names don't come to me, but it was just a group of people that made their part of that song from wherever they lived in the world. Don't oh, quote yeah. me on that, but I know that they they weren't a band per se that lived in the same yeah. city and did everything at the same time. It was all someone did one track at one point, a bit like how you and I made the Tradio jingle. Yeah. Mm. Quite cool, though, isn't it? They'll do that sort of thing. Brilliant. Now, talking to jingles, I came up with a quick five-second ditty for a new segment that we're going to add called the Dad Joke Off. <laughs> it's only a five-seconder, but there's, there's, different, there's different ways we could do it, right? So let me give you a few options. You pick an option, and what we'll do is for the next episode, we'll record it properly. But I thought the words could be, Dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. Um, But there's other variations we could do Like dad jokes are bad jokes Actually they're good jokes Cause we're dads (laughs) What do you reckon? reckon Were we going to have a little bit of music with it? No, I don't know I I think it needs to be a cappella Just you and I doing it at the same time So something something we should work on But those are the words Dad jokes are bad jokes But actually they're good jokes Cause we're dads Because oh, right? dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually because we're dads, they are quite good jokes. Yeah. Really. They're actually quite funny. So here's the concept behind this, the dad joke off. I think we do five dad jokes each per episode. If I make you laugh, it's a point to me. So the idea is not to try and laugh, but obviously if the joke's good enough, you're probably going to laugh, right? First one to I would f- say I'm going to laugh at every one of them. <laughs> It'd be the best of five. If we get there. And then after, say, five episodes, whoever has the most points will have to shout the other one something. <laughs> a beer. A beer. This day. is just off the cuff. Maybe there's just no prize at all. Maybe it's just, maybe we actually have a cup engraved that we just pass between us, depending who's going to win. <laughs> but I have a, a feeling. Cup. Yeah, a, a metal one, but I have, or maybe even a beer glass. We get a beer glass, like one of those silver beer glasses, and get that engraved. The Actually, dad joke I've off. Got, I've got one of those here. Yeah, like a vintage-looking one. It's pretty okay. cool. Maybe that should be the trophy. Maybe it should be the trophy. But here's the thing: maybe I should just, you know, maybe you should send it to me because it's always going to be with me because I'm always going to win this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Need to keep a towel. I don't have a pen. Have you got a pen? Sweet, we'll just keep a tally then. The dad joke off. So basically, as I said, uh, if you make the other person laugh, that's a point to you. Whoever's got the most points, say after, let's just say five episodes. Let's just say five episodes because this can go on for a bit. Uh, Then the other ones, uh, what do you think? Do you want to put up that silver cup? Is that what you're offering? Oh, we could. Just sitting sitting inside doing nothing. Well, let's just see how we go. Okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. You go first then, go on then. Try and make me laugh. Okay, here we go. Here's a here's a here's a, here's a rubbish rubbish joke for you. <laughs> what does a vegan zombie eat? I have no idea. Greens. 
that's one point. That's good. I like that. Are we taking turn for turn or are we just going all out? Yeah, we'll go turn for turn. I think that's my turn now. i just got to turn my phone off because someone keeps messaging me. We'll just um, go on airplane mode. All right, here we go. What is the longest word in the English language? <laughs> I don't know what. I made you laugh already. Smiles, because the first and the last letter are a mile apart. Oh, oh piss off. You didn't laugh. <laughs> so is that no points for me on that one? I don't know. I did giggle. It was a giggle. Oh. Okay, give me a point then. It's Nick and Nick. Okay, we'll give you a point. Your turn. Dad joke too. Okay. Why did Snoop Dogg bring an umbrella? Anything with Snoop Dogg's got to be funny. Full drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a point. <laughs> you can have a point. That's good. Oh, man. Okay, you ready? My boss said, I find it highly suspicious that you're only sick on weekdays. I said it must be my weekend immune system. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Give me a point. point. (laughs) Okay, you got a point for that one. Mm -hmm. Where do you learn to make a banana split? I have no idea. Sunday school. I even cracked myself up with my own that's... jokes. My wife thinks that's the prob- a problem when you do that. <laughs> if you make yourself laugh at your own jokes, you've got issues. Yeah, that's terrible. Give yourself a point because I did laugh at that one. I think this is going to be bloody five all. Okay, you ready? Here's my third. Today, my daughter asked, can I have a bookmark? And I burst into tears. 11 years old and she still doesn't know my name is Andy. <laughs> Oh, my God. We need to join the New Zealand police. We need better work stories. <laughs> How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? I don't know. You follow the Fresh Prince? It's hard not to laugh. Oh, my God. They're getting worse. Oh, shit. We, we just got points for each one of these so far. Okay, here we go. See, I've written more than I need here, so I've just got to pick which ones I want to use. Here we go. Gonorrhea would have been a great name for diarrhea medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, shit. Oh, that's getting bad. Okay. What is that? I think next time round we'll we'll almost have to see who can do the dirtiest jokes. (laughs) (laughs) This might have to evolve, this one. Uh, What's that for all, is it? It's for all, I think, right. We're terrible at these good jokes. Okay, here we go. Here's one. Why did the baby strawberry cry? I've no idea. Because his parents were in a jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. All right. So what was that? That was your fifth one, eh? That's the last. That's, yeah. Fifth okay. One. I've got two to choose from here. I'll have to learn not to laugh next week. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got two to choose from. Do I go for option one or option two? No, option two. Option two, okay. Of all the inventions of the last 100 years, the dry erase board has got to be the most remarkable. (laughs) The what? You didn't get it. Of all... (laughs) Listen carefully. (laughs) Of all the inventions of the last 100 years, the dry erase board, or the whiteboard, has to be the most remarkable. Oh, that one takes the cake. 
<laughs> oh, was that a was that a laugh? Yeah, that was funny. Yes, Just, that was funny on a sad level. That one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I tell you, can I give you the first? I've got to, I've got to share this other one because then that that's all the ones I wrote. Ready? This is just okay. off. This is off the record. Okay. I, I am Buzz Aldrin, second man to step on the moon. Neil before me. <laughs> oh, just terrible. a 1969 moon landing reference there all right dad joke off what was that five all i think that's five all oh gee that was yeah, terrible i can't help it? myself yeah. <laughs> i think we're gonna have to take an axe to this cup of yours and cut it in half and have half each yeah <laughs> okay well that was the dad joke off uh we're definitely going to do it again next week because it's such a terrible segment but i had a good laugh out of that it was really really good fun anyway we're going to drop yep. an episode every two weeks on a Friday morning, New Zealand time. Uh, next week, though, we will, if we can, aim for our bonus episode. So do come give us a like, facebook.com slash podcast. You can also email if you like, because we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us if you want to be on the podcast, especially tradiochat at gmail.com, because someone else took tradiopodcast at gmail.com, the bastards. Catch us <laughs> on Spotify. Now you can get us on iHeartRadio. Tune in. Amazon Music, Echo and Alexa devices, Google Podcasts, Reason, Player FM, my word, wherever you get your podcast, you can get Tradio. This was dedicated to Ash the Dog, which was uh, one of Oren's best buddies who sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. Oren, we will leave it in your hands with a little dedication poem. Cheers, Andy. It's just a little poem for the dog. I look at the place where you used to lie. And find a small tear appear in my eye. That spot on the floor now looks so bare. It's hard to believe you're no longer here. As I walk down the hallway, I miss the sound of those big friendly paws that would joyously abound. Now we all miss the little things you would do. Wanting a pat, a belly scratch and the snoring too. It's strange to come home and not be greeted at the gate by the dog that was happy to make everyone a mate. But those days are gone, it's come to an end. You will be missed, Ash the dog. Rest well, my old friend.